In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Latin title for the fourth Sunday in Lent is Laetare, and it means rejoice. It comes from Isaiah 66, where it says, Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her. This Sunday is the counterpoint to the third Sunday of Advent, which is also called Rejoice. This Sunday serves as sort of a midway point through our Lenten devotion, and we are reminded of our Lord's gracious provision for us in the Gospel. Thankfully, and especially in times of illness such as these, His provision extends to our souls. As St. Peter reminds us in his first letter, by his wounds we are healed, that is, forgiven. If you haven't been able to be with us in the last few weeks, you may get a little lost in this sermon, and I apologize for that. Here at Grace and St. John's Lutheran Churches, we take the season of Lent to be reminded of what we believe as Lutheran Christians— using the words of the small catechism. You may read the catechism online for free at catechism.cph.org, or if you're following with the bulletin today, you'll see our portion uh, just beneath where we are right now. This year, we are studying the Apostles' Creed, which is a short statement of what we and all Christians believe about our triune God. Today we're going to look again at the second article of the Creed, which is about Jesus. In the second article of the Creed, we confess that Jesus was humbled and exalted for us. Just a moment ago, we actually spoke the second article. It's the part of the Creed that begins, And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. It ends with the words, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. To recap what we've covered last week, we believe that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. He is neither 50-50 nor some mixture of God and man. Uh, last week in the sermon, I used the example of a can of juice that you take from the freezer and, and mix with water to make well, juice, that is not how Jesus is God and man. No, he is at the same time fully God and fully man. And when we say that Jesus is God, that is exactly what we mean. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is of the same substance, the same essence as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He, with the Father and the Spirit, is Lord. He is almighty, all-knowing, eternal. Jesus is without beginning or end. And in fact, He is the beginning, the author of time and space. And yet He, who is fully God and the creator of time and space, chose to also become man. And He 
did it for us. We confessed in the creed that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. As the Spirit hovered over the waters at creation, so He overshadowed the Virgin Mary and caused her to conceive without the intervention of man. At His conception, which, by the way, we'll celebrate on Wednesday since it's nine months before Christmas, Jesus became in every way as we are, except sin. Without an earthly father, Jesus was born without original sin. Even still, he submitted himself to the suffering that we endure. He grew up and went to school. He stayed home from school. He had a job, yet also experienced unemployment. He ate and drank and slept. He felt sadness and and fear. He was tempted. Jesus endured pain and suffering. He died for us. How is it, though, that these things could come to pass? That's the next thing that we want to relearn. When we speak about Jesus from the scriptures, we sometimes speak about his divine and human natures. And that's a fancy way of saying what we already have, that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. We should also speak about the states of Christ. And there are only two of them. First is Christ's state of humiliation, Second is his exaltation. And we use these terms to help answer the question of how the eternal Son of God could be hungry and eat or grow tired and sleep. How God could die, even. And the word humiliation comes from Philippians 2, where St. Paul says that Christ made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What the humiliation means is that for a time, Jesus set aside his full glory. He did not make full use of it. With the children, I explain that it means that Jesus did not use all of his power all the time. He uh, held back. He did use some of it, such as performing miracles, but the miracles always had a point, which is why St. John calls them signs. In Jesus' state of humiliation, he humbled himself to suffer. He bore the same weight of living that We all endure. Life is difficult for us in in part because of sin. Jesus had no sin, yet submitted himself to the difficulties of life for us. He humbled himself to endure suffering and yet did not sin. He lived in complete trust toward God and in full obedience to his word. And though he had no sin, he suffered for us on the cross. 
In His body, He bore our sins and the sins of the whole world. He made payment for us in death and secured for us forgiveness, life, and peace. Christ's state of humiliation begins with His conception and ends with His death for us on the cross. There's an interesting part of the creed that we always say, but I'm not sure we actually talk about it too much. And that's strange because it's actually where Christ's exaltation starts. The point from which he now uses all of his power all the time. And guess who he uses his power to help? Us, of course. The interesting part of the creed, these words, he descended into hell. This comes from a passage in 1 Peter where the Holy Spirit tells us that Christ descended into hell to proclaim to those who formerly did not live in faith. We cannot say how Christ descended into hell, but we can answer what he did there. The word for proclaim is a word that you would use for a victory speech. Uh, Or in confirmation class, I explain a a victory lap. Christ's descent into hell was not to suffer. He already did that, and he died on the cross. His descent into hell was to proclaim his victory over sin, death, and the devil for us. Just as death and hell could not hold Jesus, neither will they hold we who are in Jesus by baptism and by faith. The descent into hell marks the beginning of Christ's exaltation for us. Now he uses all of his power all the time for us. For 40 days after his resurrection, Christ remained on earth preaching and teaching. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the right hand of the Father is not a place like Iowa is a place or wherever you're watching from is a place. But it's a phrase that means wherever God exercises his power. And since God rules everywhere, that's where Jesus is. He rules and orders all things for our benefit, for the benefit of those who love him. The Spirit says in Ephesians, the Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We also believe that part of Christ's exaltation is that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We hear about this a lot at the end of the church here, and so we'll leave most of this for later. Suffice to say, we believe that as Jesus ascended on the clouds, so will he return. The judgment to be rendered on that day is the verdict that God has already made concerning us on the cross, not guilty. For we who are in Christ, the judgment day will be one of joy. We will have the opportunity to confess our sins and be forgiven by Jesus himself. Those who departed this life in unbelief, however, will have that opportunity forever closed. 
Judgment Day also includes the resurrection of the dead. When Christ comes, he will raise our bodies and change them to be like his glorious body. They will be our same bodies, the same that we're in right now, but without the effects of sin. Then we will enter with Christ and our fellow Christians in both body and soul into the joy of the new creation. In the second article of the Creed, we gladly confess all that Christ did and continues to do for us. In his humiliation, he obeyed God's will, suffered and died for us. In his exaltation, he rose, ascended, rules, and will return for us. That where he is, we may be also. Let's go ahead and close by speaking together the, the meaning of the second article. And if you have the bulletin, you'll see that it's right below where we are now. Uh, you may have to look it up on the internet, or some of you have it memorized. And I'm very glad to know and, and to hear that. So let's go ahead and speak the meaning of the second article together. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.